from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast Alpha is still active in eastern assam maybe about in three four districts but in last 10 years or so Overall, in the north, is the number of insurgency-related incidents have really declined. This is borne out by facts. These are occasional incidents. You don't find them really in a regular manner as it as they used to be in the 1990s. That's Rajiv Bhattacharya talking about the limited amount of influence the United Liberation Front of Assam or Alpha has in the state of Assam. Rajiv Bhattacharya is a journalist who recently released a book on the insurgent group titled Alpha the Mirage of Dawn which has been published by Harper Collins. Alpha recently made headlines after one faction of the group led by Arbinda Rajkoa signed a memorandum of settlement with the central government and Assam government on the 29th of December 2023. Under the agreement, representatives of the outfit have agreed to give up the path of violence, surrender all arms, disband the armed outfit, vacate camps housing armed cadres and join the mainstream. Speaking at the signing of the MOU, the country's Home Minister Amit Shah welcomed the agreement and promised to fulfill every promise made by the government in the agreement. I want to give you all the confidence that in one word, in one word, in a full-stop comma, in a time-bound manner, will be done in a time-bound manner and will be raised on your trust in Narendra Modi. I want to give you all the confidence. In today's episode, Rajiv Bhattacharya is in conversation with my colleague Jayanta Kalita, who frequently writes on Assam for TOI+. They're talking about various aspects of Alpha and the agreement signed with the central government. Rajiv Bhattacharya explains how Alpha's genesis lies in a period before the anti-foreigner movement in Assam in the late 1970s. He talks about how Alpha spread well beyond India's borders and also why its influence reduced. And finally, Rajiv Bhattacharya explains how the Congress missed the bus on achieving peace with Alpha and the potential political gains from this agreement for the BJP. There is a misconception among many people that Alpha was born amid uh, the six-year anti-foreigner movement in Assam. But the fact is that Alpha came much before that. Can you briefly explain how these two movements are different from each other and what are the similarities between them? After in- independence. there were certain episodes that furthered the feeling of alienation among the people that okay we are exploited assam and the north is exists as colony of india is only meant for extraction of all the natural resources so in my mid 50s the first banner of insurgency we can find the group called rcpi and cultural icon bishnu prasad rawa he had indulged in sporadic acts of violence that fizzled out very soon then in the late 60s early 70s there was a group called lachit sena but it was completely anti outsider its agenda was to check the domination of outsiders in the state but that also fizzled out and then in 1971 came the bangladesh war lot of refugees many refugees settled down in assam but there was nobody who say anything about the interests of the assamese agitations were on but then a small section of people thought that okay this conventional methods of agitation they will not yield results let us pick up weapons so that sentiment had been growing since a very long time then finally in 1978 uh there were guerrilla classes in margherita some people attended that that was the starting point of alpha i would say 
1978 in Margarita. Then gradually Alpha took off gradually in the early 80s. There were a few bomb blasts. The first batch was sent to Myanmar in 1983. Now at the time, 1979, also the Assam movement had taken off. The lines were blurred. The issues picked up by the Assam movement of expelling uh, illegal immigrants, it also had an element of anti-outsider feeling in the Assam movement. So almost it, it, had, it had overwhelming support among in Assam, especially among the mainstream Assamese communities. And Alpha, if you have a look at the profile of the members, the top leaders, they were all from mainstream Assamese communities. They also participated in the movement. The 1983 killings, the riots, that was a real, a really a turning point. It further convinced the Alpha, no, fine, let the elections be over. We oppose the elections. Now we need to form up plans to go to Myanmar, form up a pact with the NSC and IM, gather weapons, send more guys for training, and then we must wage an armed struggle. So Assam movement gave a boost to Alpha. When the accord was signed, we have some leaders of Assam movement being very active sympathizers of Alpha, especially from the All Gwati Students Union. They came out after a few years, but they were active sympathizers. They were the ones who went to Bangladesh, Munin Nobis. He was a very prominent ASU activist. He was the guy who established the linkage, the links from Bangladesh with Pakistan, with ISI. He opened the doors for the next batches of Alpha to go to Pakistan in 91-92 to, to avail training them. So in a way, the Assam movement gave a boost to Alpha. Alpha functionaries were very much active in the Assam movement. But even if there were, there was no Assam movement, Alpha would have emerged. Rajiv Bhattacharya says the rise of Alpha came as people lost faith in the Assam Gana Parishad as they believed the party wasn't sticking to its promise of tackling illegal immigration in the state. The rise of Alpha was swift, but as the organization changed its stance on issues, Rajiv Bhattacharya explains how the group lost the widespread popularity they enjoyed and instead were restricted to only certain groups and regions. When Alpha became active in the early 1980s, it, it was a militant manifestation of Assamese nationalism. Many people were, were automatically drawn towards Alpha, people who thought that agitations will not produce any results. After 1985, when the Assam Accord was signed, Alpha's support to Alpha grew because many people were also not satisfied with the Assam Accord. People's supported Alpha by and large, not because they thought that Assam should become independent of India, but because it thought that Alpha could be an alternative to the AGP. Because by 88, AGP had failed. It never fulfilled any of its any of the commitments yet it had made to the people, especially on illegal immigrants. Take, for example, the situation in 1988 or 89. It had overwhelming support across Brahmaputra Valley. Now, in 1991, when it went to Bangladesh, it issued a statement saying that Assam agitation was false. It came out with a statement in support of Bangladeshi immigrants in Assam. Now, that was the time when the middle classes started withdrawing from Alpha. Alpha's class character changed. It became more of an organization, more of the peasants, the lower middle class. Now, even if you have a look at the profile of the people who joined after 91, you'll see a distinctive change. Now, gradually, from 91, that was the time when Alpha was at its peak. Alpha's support was waning. Gradually, 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 it was waning. It was maximum in Eastern Assam, some parts of Central Assam, and less towards Western Assam. Because Alpha could not actually sustain the campaign, 
second point is compared to the other hill states, historically, Brahmaputra Valley and Assam have been integrated much closely to the Indian mainstream than the other hill states. That was a prominent reason why actually people started having doubts over alpha's capabilities, especially the middle classes. But still, the lower classes, even now, alpha as an idea, as a prominent academic remark, is more powerful than alpha as a military or an insurgent outfit. You go to Eastern Assam, you still have huge pockets of support for alpha. People may not join the outfit, but many people still think alpha is the right solution. Your book, uh, The Mirage of Dawn, presents a detailed account of uh, Alpha's foreign bases. And Alpha is perhaps second armed separatist group in South Asia after uh, uh, LTT to have such a large foreign network. Could you elaborate on that? Alpha had sent a few batches to Kachin beginning from 1987 to 1990. In 1990, there was a pact between India's external intelligence agency, RAW, and Kachin Independence Army for supply of weapons. It was sometime in 1989, as a result of which the PLA and Alpha had to pack their bags from Kachin. They were not allowed to Kachin anymore. That was the reason that compelled Alpha to scout for bases in other neighboring countries. In 1991, they reached Bangladesh. Bangladesh was a saving grace for Alpha. The entire leadership moved there, established camps. From there, they started operating. Very soon, they established contacts with Pakistan. They established camps in Bhutan. And subsequently, they cultivated links in China, from where continuously for many years, there was a, several consignments of weapons from China. And the biggest consignment was in 2004, which was Basket. And uh, many people have been sentenced to death, including Alpha's supremo of independent faction, Parish Borwa. But he was not there in the country when the verdict was passed. Alpha had also cultivated contacts as far as Europe. A delegation had reached Romania. There was a contact in, in, in UK also. And I'm told now they had contacts in Ukraine. Alpha had sent delegates even to Central Asia. So it was a massive network, in fact. The publication of your book uh, has almost coincided with the signing of the peace pact with one faction of the Alpha. What is your assessment of this peace pact? Because there are a lot of criticism against it. As a resident of Assam, I expected much more from the accord. And even senior functionaries of the Protox faction that have concluded the peace pact with the government, they are themselves not satisfied. People who have criticized, they also have a rationale of criticizing the record. But one thing has to be borne in mind, which that's very significant. Hesitations, we have been observing hesitation for the last so many decades. Hesitations have not borne results in Assam. The hesitations could not stop anything. So people of Assam need to understand some very vital things that the indigenous communities or, the, or the, what we call the nationalist organizations in Assam they are not in a position to go to New Delhi and force the center to grant concessions. This has to be understood by the people of Assam. Only hitting the roads, blocking the highways, that will not be a result. So the focus should be on implementation. Just grab whatever the government has given you. Congress basically missed the bus because it was Congress during whose tenure this uh, peace process was made some advanced. But I, I think Congress somehow is lost completely. And uh, do you think that Congress doesn't have any future in this? In 2001, Congress came to power. 
three consecutive terms. It was a joy ride for the Congress in Assam. Now, in 2006 assembly elections, Chief Minister Tarun Gogoi was very upbeat about the peace process with Alpha. In 2005, there was the tripartite agreement with ASU for the NRC. In 2006, Congress won the elections. After that, the enthusiasm simply fizzled out. If Congress, if Tarun Gogoi had been persistent, no, we need to we need to take the peace process to a logical conclusion. There was no interest because Tarun Gogoi knew there was no threat to his rule. Now, in 2006, if Tarun Gogoi had persisted with the peace process, with a big positive push, what would have happened? Alpha would have suffered a split in Dhaka. So instead of the leaders being apprehended and being brought over to India in 2009, that would have happened in 2007. The Congress could have gone ahead because in the center also, the Congress government was dealt in 2014. Congress missed the bus. So this Alpha Accord, has uh, it's, it's it's being interpreted that it would bring more benefits to BJP uh, rather than the Alpha itself, politically speaking, because uh, elections are around the corner, and uh, BJP has to uh, show some kind of results. Given that it has not been able to do anything on the Naga uh, talks front, similarly Manipur is in a mess. So Assam may have given BJP a space. Do you think that this is very politically vital for that this pact uh, for BJP in this election year? I agree to that. It was a very vital pact for the BJP. BJP is going to extract very good political mileage from this accord. Because had it been Congress, it would have been less. Now, BJP is expert in marketing. What will Alpha Protox faction gain out of the accord? They'll go home. All the guys in the designated camps, they'll get very small amount of money. They'll disband, they'll shut down the camp, they'll go home. Well, Alpha Protox, they'll not gain anything. And most of the leaders have said, we don't have any interest in politics. Fine, that remains to be seen. The Naga Pistox is, is stuck. And I don't really know it, if it will reach a logical conclusion. So this pact is really going to help BJP. They have 18 seats out of 25 in the last elections, general election. That their target is probably to 20 or 21. So absolutely, I agree. This is going to help BJP a great deal in the forthcoming elections. And BJP is here to stay in Assam. Somebody may like it or somebody may not like it. BJP has garnered support among the indigenous sections, not because of the Hindutva ideology, but because mainly of certain other factors and including the fact that there is no viable option against the BJP. So certainly, I agree to that. The BJP is going to is going to reap huge advantage benefits from this pact. So uh, the anti-talk faction led by uh, our elusive leader uh, Paresh Borua, he also uh, criticized the peace pact uh, on expected lines. So he insists on the on a dialogue on the issue of Assam sovereignty, which is unlikely to pass master of the central government. So is this going to be a never-ending deadlock? The precondition given by Paresh Borua. It's not new. It's quite old. Way back in 2005, under the direction of Prime Minister Manmohan Singh, the Indian government had issued a letter to Chairman Arubinder Raspas saying that we are willing to discuss all core issues, which basically meant sovereignty also. Now, Indian government cannot stay, say in the letter that we'll discuss on sovereignty for understandable reasons. Alpha should have grabbed that opportunity. Alpha, to me, is a confused organization. 
it did not have a proper roadmap like the Manipuri separatist outfits. They are sure that, okay, we'll keep on fighting. You, you talk to PLA leaders, they are very sure. No, we'll not compromise, we'll keep on fighting. Even the UNLF anti-talk faction also. Now, Alpha's only objective seems to have been to continue the campaign at any cost. If we have a look at the, what the what is happening between the government and the NSC and IM or the Naga groups, the whole talks are stuck on these two issues of the separate flag and constitution. The Indian government is not even willing to give those concessions. In the backdrop of this development, it seems it remains to be seen if the Indian government would really go to the extent of telling Paresh Bora that, okay, fine, we will discuss Sam sovereignty, come over. That remains to be seen, and I think it is doubtful. So long the turmoil, civil war continues in Myanmar, there will always be space for these separatist groups to remain there, continue with their training facilities, with their camps. Now, it's difficult to predict the outcome of the civil war in Myanmar. In some regions, the Myanmar junta is faring very badly. In some regions, they are still strong. It will be very difficult for the independent faction of Alpha to revive and reach a position of strength that we used to observe in the 90s or late 80s. People's aspirations have changed. People think in different terms now. So it will be difficult for Alpha to revive, although at the same time, I'll say that Alpha independent faction has not lost the capacity to carry out a few strikes. Today's episode was produced by Jairad Singh and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TOI+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at toipodcast at timesinternet.in.